We were studying tonight the biblical principles of ethnicity, and uh, last week we looked at some reasons why studying this topic is important, and we also looked at the very first reason, the very first biblical principle of ethnicity is, uh, just as a recap, the principle of creation. Every person you encounter is created in the image of God. Black, white, Asian, Hispanic, doesn't matter. All of us are created in the image of God. And so every person you encounter is made in God's image. Even bad people are made in God's image. Even people that don't act right, don't behave right. Even people that are different than you, have different customs than you. Uh, every single person is made in God's image, and that means you are as well. Um, and we looked at a second principle, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the principle of kinship. We're all kin. We, that means we all have the same parents, if you go back far enough. Adam and Eve. They were the parents of all humanity. Um, Genesis 3.20 now the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. Doesn't say she was the mother of all the white people. Doesn't say she was the mother of some of the living. She is the mother of all the living, all humanity. And then that's backed up in the New Testament, Acts 17, verse 26. The Bible says, And he that's God made from one man, that's Adam, God made from one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. So from one man came all of the Irish and all of the Germans and all of the Zulus and all of the Japanese and all of the Chinese and all of the Texans and all of the whatevers. Every single tribe, every nation, every people group, however you want to look at it, uh, however else we might be divided by ethnicity or we might be divided by language or we might be divided by geography or whatever else, we all come from one man and one woman. And so every person you encounter is your physical sibling through your common ancestry. Now, if we could all just learn to live like brothers and sisters ought to live, the world would be a lot better. But Sometimes we have a hard time with that. And we probably picked up some bad habits from the two original brothers. <laughs> Don't you think? Cain and Abel. They had a problem. And so uh, that didn't work out well for them. And, and I think people, a lot of people today have picked up some bad habits from them. All right. Principle number three. This is a third principle of ethnicity, a biblical principle of ethnicity. It's the principle of salvation. The principle of salvation. What I mean by that is that God has a plan. God's plan for salvation includes people of every ethnic group. God's plan for salvation includes people of every ethnicity. And so from the very beginning, God indicated that the recipients of His grace would be the woman's descendants. 
in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. That's, that's not very far along in the Bible, Genesis chapter 3. God is handing out the curses, and he curses the man. What's the man's curse? You're going to have to work hard by the sweat of your brow. And there's some more to it, but that's the essence of it. What was the woman's curse? Pain in childbirth. And it was already going to be painful because God said, I'm going to increase your pain. And at the same time, you're going to have a desire for the man. And so, you know, it's, it's a terrible, terrible cycle, you know. Have a desire for a man and then give birth to painful children. So, um, but that's part of, the, part of the curse. And then God curses the serpent. And one of the things God says to the serpent is in Genesis 3.15, he says, and I will put enmity between you, the serpent, between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. Well, we know that biologically it is the man that has seed, not the woman, but God talks about her seed, her descendant. And theologians look at this verse and they call it, sometimes they call it the proto-evangelion, which means the very first reference to Christ. The very first reference to what Jesus will do on the cross. And now you don't see the word Jesus there, but it's in the He's in the shadows because the woman would have a seed, would have a particular descendant. And by the way, it doesn't say her seeds, plural, but her seed, singular, meaning that there's probably, when this was spoken, there was probably one person in God's mind who would be the descendant of a woman not a descendant of a man. And we, of course, know of someone who was a descendant of a woman, and that's Jesus. And so there's going to be this strife. There's going to be this enmity between the serpent and the woman, between the serpent's seed and the woman's seed. I think the the serpent seed would be the the serpent seed would simply be uh, everything that comes forth from Satan. Okay, and so you could think of it as evil. You could think of it as uh, demonic powers, even um, between the devil himself. Um, and and there's going to be that enmity. Enmity. There's going to be a spiritual friction, a battle between the forces of evil and the forces of good, which, of course, come from God. And, uh, but, but the forces of good are going to be also humanity-based because it's the woman's seed. So God didn't say in this verse, there's going to be enmity between your seed and my seed, which God could have said. 
which would have indicated, hey, there's going to be this spiritual battle between the devil and God. And of course, God would win. God did win. But he didn't say between the woman's seed and my seed. He said the, the, between the devil's seed and, and, and my seed. He said between the serpent's seed and the woman's seed. So somehow humanity is going to be involved in this fight against the demonic. And that happened because Jesus became human. And so there's a lot tied up in this little verse, Genesis 3.15. And, um, and so this is an important verse. But So God is setting the stage for someone who would be a descendant of the woman to bring salvation to all of the woman's descendants, which would be people of every ethnicity. So a second part of this principle of salvation is this. If you move forward in history from Adam and Eve, however many years ago that was, whatever year that was, I don't know. You move forward in history to the time of Abraham. Okay? In, in the covenant with Abraham, God promises in Genesis 12, verse 3, to bless what? All the families of the earth. God promises Abraham. He makes a covenant with Abraham. And he tells Abraham, through you, you're going to be a blessing, and I'm going to bless all the families of the earth. The word all is pretty big. All the families of the earth would include people of every ethnicity. By definition. And so, again, God's plan for salvation includes people of every ethnicity, of every, of every group. So if you grew up with an idea that, you know, God's on my side because I'm the right race, or God's on the side of, of this ethnicity but not that ethnicity, I'm sorry, Scripture just doesn't line up with that type of idea. Um, next, if you move forward again, to the time of Simeon. Remember Simeon in Luke chapter 2? Uh, who uh, uh, Simeon is there at the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ or, or around the time of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Simeon, he has a blessing of God and it declared Jesus to be the salvation of both Jew and Gentile. That's two different ethnicities. He said in Luke chapter 2, verse 32, he said this about Jesus. A light of revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. That's Jews, Israel, and that's non-Jews. Two different, two different ethnicities. Jesus is going to be the salvation of both. Later, in Acts chapter 28, the Apostle Paul declared to Jewish leaders that Gentiles will respond to the gospel. And he said, and uh, the reference I have here is Luke 28, verse 28. He said, therefore, let it be known to you that this saving work of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Uh-oh. <laughs> that's not a way to win friends and influence people, you know. But that's what Paul said. He said it boldly. He said it to the Jews. 
that God is sending his salvation to a different ethnicity or really a group of ethnicities. He's, his salvation is going beyond one ethnicity, beyond the Jews, because other ethnicities, other peoples will listen. You fast forward past that to Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. You have 24 elders in heaven. Whatever that is, whoever that is, 24 elders in heaven, they sing a song, and that declares that Jesus has redeemed men, quote, from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Jesus has not left any ethnicity out. He has not let any, he's not uh, uh, left any tribe, any people group, is the term missionaries like to use these days. There's not a people group that is left out. Salvation has come to all of them. So, all through the Bible, and there's many more passages in Revelation which talk about every tongue and nation and tribe, but all through the Bible, from Genesis on all the way through Revelation, we see this thread of truth that God has a plan for salvation for all people. The next principle, principle number four. So we have the principle of creation, principle of kinship, principle of salvation. The next principle, biblical principle of ethnicity, is the principle of unity. And here's what I mean by that. The power of the gospel that we proclaim is greater than the human tendency to remain separated from other ethnicities. Okay? Now, we all have a tendency within us to sort of congregate with people that are like us, whether we're talking skin color, whether we're talking language, whether we're talking career, you know? If you're an air traffic controller and you, you're in a big group of people and there's someone else who's an air traffic controller, you got something in common. You know, you may congregate. You, may, you got something to talk about. Um, so we all have this tendency to hang around, to be around, to congregate with uh, people that are like us. And that includes ethnic uh, uh, issues as well. Most people marry people that are the same ethnicity as themselves. Uh, my daughter is uh, marrying a uh, young man of Mexican descent. So that's not always true that happens that way. My brother that you've been praying for, has, he married years ago a woman of uh, Korean descent. And so, um, but most of the time, because we just have a tendency to be around people that we are similar to, um, we uh, will we'll marry someone that we're similar to ethnically. But the power of the gospel that we proclaim is greater than that. It can overcome any type of human tendencies. And sometimes those tendencies that we have are, can turn into sinful tendencies. If we start looking down upon people that are not like us. Oh, 
you, you're not as wealthy as me. I'm going to look down on you. you know, a very arrogant attitude. Oh, you're not the same ethnicity as me. I'm going to look down on you. I'm going to prejudge you. I'm going to be prejudiced toward you. you know, or, oh, you don't have the same job that I have. I have a white-collar job, and you're just a blue-collar job person. So I'm going to look down on you, whatever it might be. Sometimes those differences that we have that might tend to separate us, sometimes it can turn into a sinful attitude if we're not careful. Um, but the power of the gospel is greater than that. I'll give you some examples from Scripture. The Ethiopian eunuch. Remember him in Acts chapter 8? What happened? He was with Philip. He received Jesus Christ. He was baptized. In all likelihood, he was from the ancient kingdom of Moreau. The Old Testament calls the ancient kingdom of Moreau Cush. If you know your Bible, you may have come across the Cushites or, or the nation of Cush. Um, the, so whether you call it Cush, whether you call it Moreau, which is what sociologists would call it, whether you call it Ethiopia, which is what we would call it today, these are dark-skinned people. Philip led to Jesus someone who was not probably as light-skinned as Philip was, probably much darker in skin color, the Ethiopian eunuch. In Acts chapter 10, the Holy Spirit came upon Cornelius and his household, which, of course, indicates God's approval of salvation of saving Gentiles. And then what happened after they got saved? They were baptized just like the Jews who had received Jesus had been baptized up to that point. And so they had unity with Jewish believers. Okay, and this is all a part of salvation. God is approving of these Gentiles getting saved just as God approved of the Jews getting saved. And that is from God himself. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to make a statement. And I want to see if you agree or disagree. You're not going to be a bad person if you disagree, okay? But here's the statement. God created his church to be ethnically diverse, but not ethnically divided. What do you think about that? That we, can, that we can be, God created his church to be diverse, different, ethnically, but he doesn't want us divided and separated by ethnicity. We're all saved by the same blood the same way. No, not different denominations. I'm talking about um, God wants... Uh, black people and white people and Hispanic people and, and Asian people to be able to worship him together. And so the question comes, and this is almost an impossible question to really answer, you know, at what point can a church remain only one ethnicity? And we are not one ethnicity at Broadview. 
were predominantly a certain ethnicity, were predominantly white, but were not exclusively white. We have, we have members of different eth ethnic groups. Um, I think that one of the things that we should strive for um, and just be, be open-minded about is the possibility of us looking like our community. Uh, if our community is very, very mixed, then there's no reason for God's church not to be very, very mixed. Uh, that, that's perfectly okay. But sometimes that's hard because other, other uh, factors come into that. Sometimes it's cultural factors. Sometimes it's language factors uh, come into that that create more of a difficulty of people worshiping together. Uh, but we need to remember Galatians 3.28, which says, There is no Jew or Greek, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And I would say this at this point, that being prejudiced is displeasing to God. Um, James 2.9 says, If you treat people according to their outward appearance, you are guilty of sin. And the law condemns you as a lawbreaker. Now we know the context of that has to do with a wealthy person or a poor person. But I think uh, another principle of that would be if we look at someone and we see that they have dark skin or different color skin or whatever, and we automatically hate that person. We automatically don't like that person. We, want, we don't want anything to do with that person. Uh, that's not right. Something's wrong in here for us. God did not put that in there. Now, I've met people, Christian people, that were very, very slow to change when it came to being prejudiced. They are raised that way. Some that I've met were deeply hurt by criminals of a certain race, and, and they just had the hardest time ever seeing anybody of that race and not thinking about what was done to them and their family. I understand that. But, uh, but we, have a, we have a goal to strive for, and we need to remember that, like you said, God did not put hatred in our heart for other people. You know, you get two little kids, they play together, White and black, or what? Doesn't matter what color they are. It doesn't matter what color they are. Kids don't see that, you know. So prejudice and hatred, that becomes taught. Sometimes that becomes scarred upon somebody because someone does something bad that's a little bit different than you, and and it's just very difficult to work through. Um, but I think we need to. We need to strive for that, to strive for looking at people and trying to look beyond the outer appearance and remember, you know, that's someone that God loves. That person is someone that God loves, and I need to love them too. My mom, when she was a teenager, went to a Billy Graham crusade, a Billy Graham crusade, and it was either a... In 1951 in Fort Worth, Texas, or 1953 in Dallas, Texas. 
Uh, I'm not sure which one she went to, but it was one of those two Billy Graham crusades. And when they got there to the stadium, uh, they're, they're in the stands, and a, uh, an African-American family came in and sat down in front of them. And most of the crowd was white, like my mom and her family. And the people behind my mom and my future grand, or my grandparents that I would, I wasn't around yet, but they're, they're my grandparents. The people behind my, my family said, well, I just can't believe that they would let those people in here, speaking of the black people, two rows ahead of them. And my grandmother turned around and said, well, if they're going to be in heaven with us, then there's no reason why they shouldn't be in the stadium with us. And she was absolutely right. And that shut them up <laughs> from saying anything else. But, you know, uh, we just have to be careful, you know, with, and, and sort of uh, test our own heart in that. We'll pick up on some other principles next time 